Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another show of Choose Positive Living with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today, Daniela Bosson. We're going to be talking about it's time for change, the vegan diet. And I know everybody goes, oh, no, vegan, I couldn't go without meat or fish. I couldn't eat this and not eat this and not eat that. And it's not about kind of telling you to go and change tomorrow, but it is inviting you to understand your options, all the different delights that you can have, all the wonderful tastes that are waiting for you, and that by incorporating it in your diet, maybe once or twice a week, you start seeing how delicious and how fulfilling and how much healthier you feel. And of course, if you want to go the whole way and decide it's time to completely change your diet, then we will be talking to that and how you can do it in a way that's not going to be too destructive on your body. Daniela says that becoming a vegan was a lifesaver for her. A surgeon inadvertently had severed a crucial part of her anatomy, creating for her for six years of pain and suffering. Numerous surgeries and hospitalization, multiple life-threatening complications, and a few near-death experiences, she discovered that plant-based nutrition turned her health around and allowed her to survive, not only survive, but totally and utterly thrive. So dedicated she is now that she's written this beautiful book, Time for Change, and it's the Whole Foods for Whole Health. She has all the recipes you need in here. Um, she tells you exactly the nutrients and um, of, of each of the vegetables. And let's face it, folks, meat in our history has been a luxury. And we've become very gluttonous today with meat at the expense of the animals. So whether you're an animal advocate or you're just purely wanting to change your health, give your body a chance, or you want to explore and be adventurous and see what are the foods out there that you can incorporate, Danielle's got them all for you. She has them on her site. She has some beautiful recipes. She has where all the, the restaurants are in North America, uh, especially in America. We haven't caught up quite here in Canada yet. And... Not only that, she's a beautiful artist. If you look at the posting, that uh, beautiful piece of art there on the pumpkins and all the fruit veg root vegetables, which are some of my favorites, um, so it's making me hungry looking at it, um, is her art. So a multiple talented woman. Let's bring her on. Good morning, Daniela. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. And I hear that um, although veganism has given you superpowers, um, and that um, it uh, kind of didn't hit the brain and you went and did something silly and broke something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sometimes forget that I'm 61 and not 16 anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A vegan diet protect you from stupidity or carelessness, so uh, I I managed to break my arm pulling some vines out of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Getting too enthusiastic there, right? Uh, but that's okay. I mean, these things happen. But as you have pointed out to me before the show, is that your healing has been quite considerable, so much faster than you expected. Yes, it has. Uh, my my uh, arm was x-rayed a uh, week after I broke it, and you could barely see the crack in the, in the bone, so I think it's healing very well. Great. There you go. So, you know, um, instead of all the drugs and all those things that are going to kind of toxify the body and slow down the healing, uh, you've had kind of that natural healing from all the beautiful nutrients of, you know, God's pharmacy. Um so um, not only that, probably delicious and doing it beats swallowing a whole load of pills, doesn't it? It does. So you have this real chronic journey and, a, you know, a real negative medical history, which obviously must have taken you to the end of your tether. Uh, what was it about that sudden mindset to kind of go, I'm going to go the vegan way? You know, was it something that somebody did, something said? Was it like, uh, I need this whole time for change, I've got to do something? You know, what was your switch? Well, like uh, you said before, a, a surgeon cut uh, part of my anatomy that you can't live without. I, he, I had to have part of my liver amputated because I had developed tumors from taking birth control pills. Mm. And while... Right, and while these tumors tumors were not cancerous, at least not yet, they tended to become cancerous, they were filling with blood and they had reached a size where rupture was an issue. And if 
because if one of these tumors were to rupture, I would just bleed out and die. And so um, so the surgeon who performed the procedure made a mistake, and he severed my common bile duct, and you can't live without it. And so in order to correct that, they had to go uh, take me into emergency surgery, uh, cut up my intestines, and reroute them to form an artificial bile duct. And while that kept me alive, it sent me through five years of, of uh, multiple um, liver infections, um, I had to have blood transfusions, tremendous amount of x-rays. I've, I've had at least 15 CT scans, and each one is the equivalent of a 1,000 x-rays. I've had, uh, I got pleural uh, effusion, I got, which is uh, a collection of bloody fluid around the lungs. They had to, had to um, drain four liters of that fluid from my lungs. I got pneumonia, and I nearly died several times. And finally, they put me on prophylactic antibiotics, which I was expected to take for life. A, an infectious disease doctor uh, compared my condition to that of an AIDS patient, wow. which told me this was never going to go away. And, uh, and the, but the antibiotics kept me from having the infections, but I was developing a resistance to them. And um, but and I was also left with such extreme gastric pain that I reached a point where I thought that if this is going to be my life, then I just don't want it. And then a friend introduced me to a book by T. Colin Campbell called The China Study, and it is about the, it's the largest cohort study ever done on nutrition, and it compared the scientists compared cultures that lived long, virtually disease-free lives. And what they discovered that these cultures had in common was that they lived on principally a plant-based diet, eating very little or no animal protein. But the cultures who had adopted a Western diet with animal protein as its basis, uh, they developed cancers, autoimmune diseases like diabetes and rheumatoid arthritis, um, obesity, um, and all the way, all the diseases of modern Western civilization. And one of the things that particularly got my attention was uh, some studies that were some studies that Campbell did on rats, in which he was able to literally turn cancer on and off and on again in rats simply by adjusting the amount of animal protein he fed them. And the reason this was interesting to me is that in addition to all of these other problems, I had had two cancers. I'd had a melanoma and a carcinoma. And this was the point that I realized that something had to change. And so my husband and I were on a trip when we read this book. And when we came back, we got rid of every animal product in our house. And within one day, I... After becoming vegan, I no longer had gastric pain, and it never came back unless I did something stupid like inadvertently eating animal product. Uh, for example, I had two cookies at a writer's group meeting, and I was in pain for 13 hours. And so pain was a huge motivator yes. for me. Exactly. And, um, well, within three weeks, uh, I was off blood pressure medication. I'd been on for 12 years and was expected to take for life. I no longer had acid reflux, and I my cholesterol was a very healthy low, and I um, started losing weight without even trying. I lost 65 pounds eating anything I wanted. So to me, it was a no-brainer. Every system in your body improves when you improve your diet. Important security message. And you have to feed your body what it needs to, to thrive. Right, exactly. And, you know, life isn't about... Important security Sorry. message. I actually Please call the number your, provided uh, as soon as possible. Pages, you will be guided for the removal of the adware <laughs> spyware <laughs> virus on your computer. Hold on one second. Seeing these pop-ups means okay. that... Okay. Sorry I, I about do that want a little eruption there, guys. Uh, one of those little tech things coming up when I clicked on something. Um, you were saying, my dear. I, I'm actually a little confused as to where we were. Oh, you, <laughs> yes, I know. Yes, we had clicked on a page and and uh, and something went berserk. Um, you were talking about you know just not like about surviving life, but you know life. If you're going to live life, you want to thrive. You want to truly, you know, have the energy. You want to be able to get out and participate in life. And so many people are just surviving life, just getting through, and you know like walking through sludge. And it's not really living at all. So this was 
where you reached, you know, like this is just not worth it anymore. Um, and you wanted to thrive. So this diet has certainly put you, you know, not just the weight loss, but the energy, um, you know, the whole quality of life. It's changed your life around considerably, hasn't it? It has. Six years ago, I could not walk down a grocery store aisle holding onto a shopping cart. I had to have my 90, she was 94 years old at the time. I had my 94-year-old friend do my shopping for me because she was in far better shape than I was. And now I can ride my bicycle 10 miles. I walk my dogs uh, three miles a day. Uh, I can swim. I can do anything that I want to do within reason for a 61-year-old woman. (laughs) Exactly. And the interesting thing, well, there are a lot of interesting things about this, but when I first decided to go plant-based, I thought, okay, I can't have dairy and I can't have eggs. Okay, that leaves out cream sauces and it leaves out baking. And then I thought, okay, I can't have fish, I can't have beef, I can't have chicken, I can't have pork. And then I thought, what in the world am I going to eat? (laughs) But there are 80,000 edible plants in America, I mean, in the the world. And uh, they can all be prepared in, in so many different ways that are at least as delicious, if not more delicious, than cooking with animal protein. You can take... Uh, cashews and you can make wonderful cream sauces with cashews and the and the great thing about that is that it thickens just like heavy whipping cream and and when you cook with it it thickens and becomes this rich wonderful decadent sauce and I've made a new New England clam I call it a New England clamless chowder with that <laughs> actually fed it to someone from New England who who didn't know that he wasn't eating New England clam chowder. And mm. I use shiitake mushrooms instead of the clams because it gives you that mouthfeel of eating clams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, looked, it looks just the same. And he asked me, uh, Danielle, how did you get that fishy t- taste to it? And I, and I said, uh, I didn't. I didn't do anything to give it a fishy taste. He just made that jump in his mind right. because it was similar to New England clam chowder that he, he really felt like he was eating clam chowder. <laughs> well, I, I and uh, you can milk. do that with... Yeah, I love cashew milk. Cashew milk is wonderful. It is so thick and creamy and so rich, and you don't need any additive sugars or anything like that. It's because it's I can't drink uh, dairy myself, and, and it's wonderful. Well, cashew cream is actually made, you, you make that in your blender with with just cashews, and uh, and you can thicken it, you can you can make a, a wonderful cream cheese out of it just by putting lemon and a tiny little bit of salt, and it tastes, it tastes as good as cream cheese, if not better, and you can make, uh, you can, you can make, um, uh, like macaroni and cheese, you can you can take some of this uh, cashew cream cheese and you can throw in some uh, cooked potatoes and carrot and onions and a and a uh, roasted red pepper and blend that up with a, just a tiny bit of salt. And uh, I also tend to like to throw in an apple and put a little garlic in there. And you wouldn't believe that this makes the most wonderful cashew cream cream. Uh, excuse me, makes the most wonderful. Uh, uh, sauce for uh, mac and cheese, mm. and you can and you can also add chopped tomatoes and chopped onion and jalapeno and serve it over nachos, and then you have this wonderful nacho sauce. And people can't tell the difference between that and cheddar cheese. It's amazing, and it looks exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> you can do wonderful pizzas uh, without cheese, or you can make a make a mozzarella cheese from cashews. Uh, you can do calzones and stuff it with a. Um, I, I've done wonderful calzones that I've stuffed with a ricotta cheese that I made from tofu, and uh, and then I used a mozzarella cheese that I made from cashews, and I stuffed it with artichoke hearts, uh, roasted red pepper. Um, mushrooms, onions, kalamata olives, garlic, just anything in the world that you can think of. And and they're absolutely wonderful dishes, and you don't miss the meat at all. Once you get animal protein out of your system, you'll find that you, it, it very quickly loses its appeal. I tell people now 
that you could put a gun to my head and you couldn't make me eat a piece of meat. And although I'm not tra- challenging any, <laughs> anyone, uh, you know, true, there it. To me, I've completely lost my taste for animal products. And that's one of the advantages to going vegan all at once. If, if you dive into it and, and go cold turkey, so to speak, um, you, have, um, you tend to lose your taste for meat. But if you, and so if you do it slowly, you'll have a little trouble getting over your cravings. But, uh, if, but you know, you have to do it in a way that is comfortable for you, in a way that's sustainable for you. I mean, uh, and even if, if all you can do is change from cow's milk to, to some non-dairy milk, you're significantly reducing the animal protein load on your body. Exactly. And, you know, if you have got a family that, you know, it's used to burgers and this, that, etc., and you want to introduce this, I think it's kind of good once or twice a week to kind of introduce this food and not as vegan food, because then it means, oh, you're going to cut out meat. But just, you know, as, as a new option and a new taste, let's try something different. Let's expand our taste buds and, you know, kind of slowly build it out. Um, you introduced me to Kate Strong, the triathlete um, uh, athlete, which is on the same week as you. And, uh, you know, she was talking about um, how in it, it, she took out certain foods completely and she was doing it uh, for a month to see what the difference was. And she saw the difference in a week. But the, one of the big mistakes she did, she took the food out, but she didn't put anything back in to substitute it. And although she saw a difference, she realized that, you know, she was hungrier. There was a gap missing. So I think if we, if we are going to do it, we've kind of got to look at um, if you're still going to eat meat, maybe put more of these delicious types of vegetables and different types of options on there with the less meat and slowly wean off. Um, because as oh, adults, we can make that choice. But sometimes with a family, you have to do it gradually. Uh, well, that's true. You can also add things. A study was just just came out this week that talked about how beans are are just as satisfying as eating mm-hmm. meat. So it it fills you up. It gives you the protein that you need, and it gives you uh, something that meat doesn't give you, and that's fiber. But uh, you can you can add all sorts of things to your diet. When uh, when I have people over to my house, I never tell them that I'm not cooking meat. I just don't cook meat. And the food that I prepare is so delicious and, and satisfying, and it's also so beautiful because when you're cooking with a rainbow of colors, mm-hmm. uh, just look at your plate and go, wow. And so um, I never tell them that I don't cook meat. I just don't cook meat. And, and most of the time, they don't even notice it. Uh, and if they... And, uh, I feel you, they don't go into like a food coma because you've overtaxed their digestive systems and they don't feel the need to go home and eat again because they're still hungry. There are plenty of ways to beef up a meal with vegetables. Uh, of course, with bread, with be- with a good whole grain bread, with with beans, that's, uh, and, um, and you can have nearly everything that you've been used to eating. Uh, simply by making some adjustments within within the meal, like replacing um, pa- um, pasta that, with meat sauce, replacing it with a lot of vegetables, and uh, replacing, of course, milk with cream with cashew cream or with any any kind of cream from nuts, and that sort of thing. You can always uh, you can always make adjustments that will make a make a meal more satisfying and also nutritionally complete. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, uh, you know, looking at your picture, of course, is, you know, as I said, my f- favorite vegetables are these root vegetables, you know, the, you know, the pumpkins and the squashes, but I love the beets and, um, and you know, and, and the ginger. And I like to just kind of take all sorts of, of those type of um, root vegetables with a whole garlic and, and ginger, etc., and steam it. And then just mm-hmm. steam it to a point where it's not, you know, um, mushy, but just softer than being firm. And then sprinkle a little sauce over it and absolutely delicious. Because I think one thing people don't really understand, because there's so much pros- food, uh, processed food out there, is just how rich in taste each one of these vegetables are. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that just as it's a symphony going on in your mouth, isn't it? That's right, and and uh, roasting it in the oven really brings out a lot of flavor as well. Sprinkle some turmeric on it, or a little curcuma. 
and uh, mm-hmm. you're getting a little spicy uh, potato there, which is really, really neat. I mean, I think what we have to do is is in kind of step out of the Western thought and start bringing in other kind of ethnic groups from around the world where meat isn't predominant, you know, where they do use spices and, and you know, the chickpeas and, um, you know, baklava and all of this type of stuff and, and bringing it in um, and exploring and mixing it in, you know, fusing, fusing the food together um, because we really actually discovered that there are some incredible feasts around the world that have sustained you know in, entire populations very very well without any meat or fish whatsoever um, there are a lot of cultures that have a strong vegan component to their diet and the wonderful thing about experimenting with other cultures is you can take the same group of vegetables and create an entirely do- different Meal and entire uh, and give it an entirely different taste profile simply by changing the types of spices you use. Mm-hmm. I, I I absolutely love Indian food. India has a um, it, South India is largely vegetarian, <clears throat> so you can never go wrong ordering Indian food in a restaurant. Um, Ethiopia has 180 fasting days a year in which no meat is allowed to be consumed at all. They're religious fasting days. And because it's um, encouraged by the church and because of personal fasting days, it's not unusual for an Ethiopian to go 300 days a year without ever touching meat. So you can always be sure to find good um, vegan restaurants in an Ethiopian restaurant. Uh, I'm also uh, writing an Ethiopian cookbook right now because uh, it's absolutely delicious food and it's so healthy. It's uh, And it's uh, a good mix of vegetables, lots of beans and lots of grains and lots of um, uh, fresh vegetables. So, uh, so it's a wonderful, wonderful way to uh, experience good vegan cuisine. Thailand uh, has, I think it's a two-week period of year where the whole country goes vegetarian. So Thai is always a wonderful place to get good uh, vegan food. And so you can check out Thai cookbooks and Thai restaurants. Uh, Vietnam has some of the most delicious, freshest food you can find. And none of these cultures taste anything alike. (laughs) That's what's exciting about it. There's lots of Mediterranean dishes you can make. Uh, I I make a wonderful... uh, uh, Dutch stampot, which is is, des- is it actually means stamped pot, and uh, and it's uh, mashed pot- is mashed potatoes with um, collard greens in it, and it's just fantastic. I could eat a whole bowl of that just by itself for dinner. It's really good. Um, there's just a world of new flavors to explore, and and uh, after you start eating plants, you know, when you get away from animal protein, when you eat that, uh, when, you're inter- when you're exposed to animal protein again, it just looks like greasy fat, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not, it's not easy to, di- to digest, and it's not good for your body. And people think, well, you know, you, you have to eat the meat because of the protein, and the protein is different in a plant base as it is to a meat base. Uh, but we can get kind of more concentrated proteins from from the vegetable base, can't we? Well, you get the proteins that your body needs. Your body does not know what to do with animal protein. And because animal protein is so similar to the protein in our bodies, our body confuses it, and that's how you get a lot of the autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it starts con- attacking its own cells. Um, T. Colin Campbell talks about this in his book. Um uh, but the protein, uh, the the business about protein is just a huge myth. Ninety-seven percent of Americans are getting more protein than they need. Seventy uh, percent of vegans and vegetarians are getting more protein than they need. You don't need much protein. But one of the things that ninety-seven percent of Americans, or rather meat eaters, are not getting is fiber, and you mm-hmm. can only get plants is a very important nutrient and you can only get it from plants but protein really is a non-issue if you look at the animals with the largest muscle mass on the planet they're they're uh, herbivores (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm strong as an ox. Well, what do oxen eat? They yeah. eat plants. Yeah. <laughs> We're not feeding them humans. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. And and of course, things like, you know, the chickpeas and kidney beans and pinto beans and black beans and all of these beans, you know, the amount of uh, of fiber that we get in there. And I think that's, I think one of, especially in North America, one of the worst problems I think we have is, is uh, nobody's getting fiber in their diet and uh, overtaxing their intestines and their body is not able to detox properly and the whole digestive system is completely out the door. And because uh, pe- people aren't introducing fiber, are they? That's right, and that's why you get diverticulosis uh, because you're straining because you're not you don't have the fiber to move the food through your system. Uh, there's a lot of problems with not getting fiber. Of course, you know I can't speak speak to the medical issues of this because, frankly, I'm a cook. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I've read a lot about this, and uh, and we should be getting far more fiber than we get. Exactly. I'm going to have to have you on with Sumane from, from our Wise Health um, because uh, she talks about God's pharmacy and, and health and she can talk about it from the medical point of view. So we're going to have to put you two together. Um, and she's really, you know, this is the, she can give the medical yeses and, and thumbs up and thumbs down. Now, I have to admit, like, you know, spelt. Um, I went on a, a candida diet and I had to eat spelt bread. And, uh, you know, I am a bread lover and I have to admit, I just couldn't stand the spelt so you know if people really? are, are, it's too it was just too cardboardy for me you know i like a kind of a real french crusty loaf and things like this when it comes to to breads and things like this is you know um because you know there's eggs and things like that in in uh, in the vegan diet you know how do you kind of get that kind of same type of bread through a vegan way of cooking it well most breads don't have eggs in them uh, I, I bake breads all the time, and I, in, before I was vegan, I never used eggs in, in most of my breads. If you're getting a spelt bread that is cardboardy, uh, then you need to look around to find somebody who's a better baker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like a rye bread. I just found a spelt bread was just so heavy. Oh, well, I make a wonderful spelt bread that well, is... Send it over. <laughs> Can, can you put it through, you know, uh, uh, Twitter or something and send me a loaf? <laughs> that Say, um, I can tell you where to get a recipe for it, though, because this is not my recipe. There's a wonderful bread-making website called breadtopia.com, and uh, and the spelt bread that I've made using, using his recipe is uh, crispy and crunchy on the outside, and it's soft and with big holes on the inside. It's it's a wonderful, light, delicious bread. Uh, it's very much like your European breads. It's wonderful. Uh, and um, I make, I, as, I, as a matter of fact, I made a rye bread just a couple of days ago because I created a new recipe for uh, a Reuben sandwich. And I used, this is not good for... Um, for people with gluten sensitivities, um, but I used um, vital wheat gluten, and I made I uh, made a substitute for corned beef with spices and with uh, with uh, natural um, uh, broths like beef broth gave it that red look of meat, and uh, and and I was able to make a reproduce a Reuben sandwich that was so real so close to the real thing that I took it to the farmers market and had people taste it and they couldn't tell the difference. Mm. I also smoked some of it and made a pastrami uh, sandwich that tasted so much like pastrami people just couldn't believe it. It was just delicious. And so um, but it doesn't have anything in it that's bad for you. Um, we have a, a wonderful Chinese restaurant um, here, which is, has moved. So I don't know where it is. I want to find out where it is. Um, and uh, it was completely, you know, Chinese vegan. And they would do uh, mock meat, uh, you know, mm-hmm. make out of soy. This and you, you know, it'd be like you are having, you know, barbecued meat, and or you were having um, fish, which they made out of taro root. And of course, the the creativity and the way they presented the food. Um, was absolutely exquisite and you know kind of a Chinese tradition is that you don't eat meat on your birthday and so of course it would be very very popular around birthday time and you know the array um, of food um, style and taste that we got was absolutely out of this world 
it's amazing what you can do. I've never been a big fan of, of faux meats, but I'm uh, starting to appreciate them. I, I was in Chicago uh, doing some cooking demonstrations a few weeks ago at the Chicago Veg- Veggie Fest, and I met a woman there who is a caterer for, um, uh, for a restaurant chain called Native Foods, and it's an all-vegan chain that's been around for 25 years, and they're expanding across the United States, and expect, they expect to have 200 stores across the United States by 20, 2016, I think. No, no, I'm sorry, 2019. And they have three in the D.C. area, and I think they had three in the Chicago area. And so my husband and I, since we run this uh, food and travel website, uh, veggingoutandabout.com, we uh, decided to go and review the restaurant, and we tried a Reuben sandwich there that just knocked our socks off. And so that uh, gave me the inspiration to try to make that myself, and I came up with a very, very cl- uh, uh, close representation of that sandwich, and uh, I think it's a keeper. <laughs> I mm-hmm. have to put it in a new book. Exactly, uh, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, you know, let's talk about the, like, turnips and parsnips and daikon and you know, um, I mean, these are, you know, people go, I think turnips have got a bad rap. Um, I adore parsnips, especially roasted and daikon, you know, if it's cooked properly is absolutely, you know, delicious. And um, again, I mean, you know, they always say that, you know, for every disease that God gives us, there's a cure a foot, a foot away. And, um, you know, when you look to what, you know, what these beautiful nutrients are and this, the, all the very many ways that you can have them. I love to, you know, throw a lot of vegetables together in a slow cooker and let them all, mm-hmm. all those flavors come together and either make it into a soup or just have it as a nice big chunky vegetable stew. Um, and it's, as I said, a, a lot of the time you don't need to do an awful lot to them, do you? Be- you can cook them in different ways. You can spice them up. You, um, you can present them in different ways. But even on their own, they're just so delicious. They really are, and nothing's better than than parsnips that, that have been roasted. They take on such a mm. sweetness. I, I like to uh, to cook uh, tomatoes when the, I, I get them at the farmers market when they're uh, inexpensive. When they're you know when they're they're in season and they're inexpensive, and I buy uh, big cartons of them, and I bring them home and I cook them down, and I'll, I'll start with these big stock pots. And they'll be just brimming over with with tomatoes, and I cook them down to where there's only about a third of of the tomatoes left in the stock pot, um, and I and I cook them with fresh garlic, and. As these tomatoes cook down, they become sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And then I put them in individual serving size containers, like three-cup containers. Uh, I use Pyrex containers. And I put them in my freezer, and I have this wonderful sweet base for a sauce that has had no sugar added. It's it's just the natural uh, concentrated flavor of, of these tomatoes. And I uh, and I used to, and so then I have them all winter long to to mm. make sauces, and they are it's absolutely fantastic. A friend of mine in California served me a pasta dish with this sauce in it, so I call it Patty Sauce because she's the one who invented this. And it, uh, my goodness, there's just nothing better than the natural flavor of these tomatoes. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, great um, base for stew as well. Mm-hmm. You can soup. use it as a lot of things. I use mm. it as a base for calzone stocks, for my pizza sauces, uh, for ketchup. I make I do a homemade ketchup. Uh, I also cook it down even further and uh, puree it and cook it down very very thick. And I make my own. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? That concentrated. You know, it's just jumped out of my mind. Um, <laughs> the condiments. Uh, <laughs> You know the concentrated concentrated pasta sauce that you buy. Um, it's a tomato paste. That's what I'm right, trying to yeah. say. I make my own tomato paste, and I use it's not as thick as commercial tomato paste, but it is better for me. And anything that calls for tomato paste, I use this, and it gives it this wonderful flavor without overpowering it. Right. And uh, I make wonderful ketchups with that. I make wonderful mayonnaise. It's from from. Uh, uh, cashew cream cheese, and and uh, I made a 
I made a Russian dressing using a combination of my tomato, my tomato homemade tomato paste and and the cashew cream cheese, and I chopped up some olives in it, and it was fantastic for the Russian. I mean, for the Reuben sandwiches. So uh, there's there's just so many things you can do. Uh, I spend probably a weekend a year. Uh, spending the whole weekend cooking down pasta sauce, and then I have it for the rest of the year. So that's to me, that's time well spent. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, so it's it's if you kind of go back to how it used to be, you know, um, the reason why there was Thanksgiving is because, you know, all those, uh, you know, wonderful vegetables and everything, the harvest was picked, and then the jarring and the preparing mm-hmm. for the winter would happen uh, so that they would have the nutrients of these foods throughout a winter, you know, when things mm-hmm. were sparse. And I think in a lot of ways, we've really got to go back to that kind of thinking, haven't we? Um, we've become so lazy about just popping to the store and getting a can of this or a jar of that and everything's processed and everything's got preservatives in it and or it's GMO'd. Um, you know, this if we start kind of buying things fresh when they're in season and then looking to jar, to freeze, um, to make up the sauces, you know, to have something there that, you know, that will take us through them when they're out of season, we're eating so much healthier. But I also think we in, in more appreciation of the food. That's true. You absolutely do. I grew up in a household where everything came in a can. I tell people I learned to cook in self-defense. <laughs> 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 it was a terrible cook, and so I learned to cook in self defense. And and um, uh, uh, you know when you and that's the way that people tend to eat when they when they think about eating beans, they think about going to the grocery store and getting a pan, can of beans and dumping it into a pot. But if you look at all of these cultures, they have so many amazingly delicious ways to prepare beans. That it's a completely different, uh, completely different experience for you. Um, we really do need to learn to cook as a society. We need to go back to cooking, because studies show that people who prepare their own, the majority of their foods at home, live longer and healthier than people who don't, regardless of the kinds of foods they're eating. Because when you cook for yourself, you're more conscious of what goes into your food, and uh, and you and you tend to naturally make better choices. And, you know, if you say, well, I'm only cooking for me, it's more convenient to go out, well, then take a day once a month where you do prepare a whole load of recipes and throw them in your freezer. And at least, you know, if you're going to work, you can take it out, and by the time you get home, it's defrosted and you can cook it. And at least, you know, it's something you've prepared yourself. Um, and, And I think you eat it with so much more appreciation and gratitude. And... I think a, a lot more enjoyment because you know you've done it yourself. That's right, and 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 if you consider the time it takes to cook in batches, you can. There are times when you're imprisoned in your home. You have to do laundry, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be in your ha- house while you're dealing with laundry. So if you're doing that, you may as well put the stove to cook, or you may as well. Uh, prepare a bunch of veggie burgers that you can you can freeze in individual patties and pull out one as you need it. There's there's so many different things that you can put a pot of beans on the cook, and then when your laundry's done, your beans are done. You put it in individual size serving containers or sizes that that are most useful for your family. If you have a half a dozen people to feed, obviously you need bigger sizes. But uh, but it just makes sense to take that time. And and accomplish several things at once, and and that way you know what you you know you have a you end up with a stocked freezer, and you have food for for weeks or months. It's 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 a no brainer. I mean, my son is um, he's opening up um, a little deli restaurant, and and most of it is is that he's going to be doing. Um, preparing foods for for other restaurants and other places as well as his own, and when he cooks, uh, the amount of love. And that goes into that food. You know, everything is is tasted, everything is tested. When he gives it to you, it's beautifully laid out. And, you know, when you eat it, you can feel the love. Um, you know, the taste just, just isn't just on your tongue. You know, you feel it throughout your body. The satisfaction is there. And the satisfaction that he has 
of you enjoying his food. And I think we've forgotten that enjoyment, that passion. It's a it's another art. It's another way of expressing ourselves. It's it's a way of appreciating it, um, uh, each other. W- you know, getting around the table with a bunch of people and having a wonderful meal, home-cooked meal, is a wonderful basis to invite conversation, isn't it? It is. And it is an art form. You know, putting it, it, putting food together and, and finding the bright spices, uh, it, it is an art form. And it's soothing and it's satisfying and it's fun to do. You make mistakes, of course. You know, you, you can't learn anything without making mistakes, but you just uh, learn from them and move on. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes you have these wonderfully happy accidents where, where you think you're making one thing and, and the flavor is completely different, but it's so good you don't care. You know, you, want, you try to remember, how did I do this? I want to do this again <laughs> and again. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, as an artist, you know, I understand process, and, and cooking is nothing, uh, is no different. It's a process of, of creating and discovering, and it, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's, it's good for your soul. It's good for your, your body, and it's good for your soul. I mean, you know, simple things like turmeric, a little crushed pepper, you know, some garlic. I mean, it, it's so brilliant for inflammation in your body, which means your your brain as well, not just your joints. You know, you look at places like India where they have the lowest Alzheimer's in the world, and that's right. due to that. And, you know, the thing is, is that we've really got to stop running to the pharmacy and, and really, you know, rub, run to the farmer's market because in every single one of these delicious foods, um, there is... A really a natural ingredient in there that is an answer to an ailment in our body and if we learn to also eat the foods that make us feel good you know um, there's certain foods that you know that you digest better or certain foods that they um, set you emotionally better or you know, physically better pay attention to what those foods are because that's clearly the foods that your body needs and so I think there's got to be a conversation with your body as well hasn't there when you're when you're preparing food well, I don't know that I actually have that conversation with my body. I just know what I, I, I guess subconsciously I do. I know what my I know what I like, and I know what what is going to disrupt my body. I know what to stay away from, and uh, and I think unconsciously you do go to the foods that make you feel better, that make you you feel uh, satisfied and energetic and and whole. Mhm. Exactly, and you know it's. Uh, it, it's you know having those main ingredients that you know that you really enjoy, and I think also I think very very important to eat seasonally, you know eat the things that are fresh, you know eat mm-hmm. obviously organic, so you're not getting all those pesticides on there, and uh, you know ca- you know don't go and try and buy strawberries in the middle of the winter because you know that they're not you know they've been genetically modified somewhere along the line. It's um, if we eat seasonally and we actually eat the, the foods that have come straight out of the ground and, as you say, prepare for the winter, jar, freeze, you know, do all of that, but also eat them when they're fresh and straight out of mm-hmm. the ground. Oh, my goodness, you know, like berries in the summer. I mean, you go picking berries, you come out with, you know, blue hands or <laughs> purple hands or whatever, but, you know, just shoving them down your throat, absolutely delicious. Um, make it something fun. Make it something that you do with your family. I think also... Um, preparing food together as a family, teaching your kids right from the word go how to participate in the kitchen. I think you know, it becomes less of a, oh God, I've got to get food on the table, or more about this quality time that we as a family can have in preparing the food. And I think the appreciation of the food then becomes so much more. And children will eat food that they cook themselves. Uh, they they will turn their nose up at things that you cook for them, but if they prepare it themselves, they will always eat it. They'll at least try it, and they may say, oh, this one didn't work out, but they will always eat food that they've prepared themselves. I think teaching your child to cook is one of the most beneficial things that you can ever do for your child. It's one of the biggest gifts you can give them. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I don't know how to be a vegan. If I cut this out and cut that out, what have I got on my plate? Well, this is exactly what your book is about, Time for Change, because you go through the reason why and obviously your story. But you go through all of the foods, you know, and um, exactly how to cook them, 
you know how to, how to put them together you share so many recipes in there and it's a you know it's to say take one thing out and replace it with something be have your mindset open to be willing to try new things okay the first time you take that taste that spice it's foreign to your taste buds your taste buds are going to go a little on defense what's this you know take mm-hmm. a few mouthfuls have it a couple of times maybe even prepare it in different ways and go you know what i really am liking this um i can't eat spicy food but my friend prepares it in such a way that I can eat the chili, I can eat the heavy turmeric, I can eat all of that, and it doesn't upset my stomach at all. Other ways it's prepared, I have one bite and it, and I have a reaction. So it's also just be adventurous, right? Explore, try cooking and try using the spices and the foods in different ways and find out what you like, but at least explore. That That is exactly right. And what people tend to think is that I don't like this or I, I can't I have more people telling me, Oh, I can't stand eggplant but when I fix a dish for them and, and have them taste it, they love it. And then the, I tell them there's eggplant it's a it's <laughs> an eggplant. And uh, you know, what what we don't realize is that we can choose to prefer one thing over another. We can decide that change is a good thing. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, for you, you changed and became vegan straight away. You just dropped everything and went cold turkey. Um, And, you know, maybe that isn't for everybody, and especially if you have a family, because, you know, they go on the defense. So, Mm -hmm. you know, introducing it one or two meals a week, you know, slowly changing over, showing all the different foods that you can eat. Um, You know, mentally, you're not being so abrupt. But as you've pointed out, the less meat you eat, the less you want to eat. And the faster you get it out of your system and substitute, uh, the quicker your body actually adjusts. But it's also at the same time, go about it, you know, um, for whatever your reason is. For some, it may be the moral reason for you know to preserve animals um for others it, it you know it could be their health for others it could be that uh, you know i'm just going to stand for something whatever it is just embrace it and your your reason um is your reason but it's just be willing to kind of change those meals right you know meatless monday and uh, maybe homemade pizza, vegan pizza Tuesday. And if you lay out those recipes and don't put the vegan in front of it, and just, as you say, do it, and people then discover, oh, my God, this tastes great. It doesn't uh-huh. become such a... I think the mental gets in the way, doesn't it? You know. Well, the best pizza I ever had in my life was in Florence, and there was no meat or cheese on that pizza. Mm-hmm. And it was so delicious. You could taste so clearly every different vegetable in it and and uh and i love making pizzas with pineapple on it because it gives a little little uh bite of sweetness that makes non-vegans really appreciate it uh but but you don't even have to do the one or two days a week thing if you have if you just continually reduce the amount of meat on your plate and just add more vegetables every time, then before long you're not going to, you know, that meat is going to be less and less appetizing. And you'll find that the vegetable dishes, because they're delicious, they'll just crowd out that meat and eventually your family won't want it at all. Yeah. And I think that's where, I think the first step that you do is, you know, your book lays it all out. You have recipes on your site. Um, you do demonstrations on uh, how to cook things. And I think that's the first thing to do. Go, go and get five or six recipes and go, okay, I'm going to do these and just do them. Just, you know, do them. I think the biggest problem when anybody has in change of anything is that, but what am I changing to? If I don't do this, what do I replace it with? And they think it's just, you know, lettuce leaf and, you know, you know just uh, carrots <laughs> and potatoes. And, and they think that's it. It isn't. It's beautiful foods. Just be open that's, to explore. They think it's tofu and wheatgrass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I you know, do. You look at these cooking shows and you're seeing the kind of pureeing cauliflower, uh, cauliflower and, and, you know, the different way of like sweet potatoes. There's another absolute delight. Um, you know, I mean, this, the, the, the beautiful flavors in all of these foods and, um, you know, making kale chips. 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's so many things that you can do. And I think it's just if you're willing to explore and, you know, diversify and just try out new recipes, you'll actually realize there is so much more choice in the way you can prepare, uh, you know, vegetables than you could ever with meat. Yes, and it's so much better for you. I mean, I make this, uh, I told you about the, I, I think I told you about the nacho cheese dip that I make. Oh, my God. That You would never believe that that is healthy for you. But it's got potatoes. It's got uh, roasted red peppers. It's got, there's nothing in it that's not good for you. So you can eat that as much as you want and not be the slightest bit concerned about uh you know, chowing down on nachos, exactly. <laughs> except uh, you have to find a chip that's not high in fat because most of them are sixty percent uh, fat. So you have, and I've actually created a new chip made from uh, Ethiopian injera. H- have you ever tried the Ethiopian injera pancake? Um, it's a, it's no, no, I can't say I have. It's a sourdough flatbread, and everything is served on it. It's actually is your plate when you're eating Ethiopian food. And and then they roll it, roll up some more pieces of that, like a little cigar. They roll these pancakes up into a little cigar, and you actually tear off a piece of this pancake and use it as your utensil. You just uh, fold the food into that and just mm. pop it into, and it's quite delicious. But I have taken those and have uh, those pancakes because they're made from a very high quality grain called teff. It's very high in protein. And um, and I have made a chip out of it, and and it has no oil, no salt, you know, it's no fat. It's it's just a high quality grain, and it is it's just begging to be used with a dip. It's just a fantastic chip. I took a bag of it with me to Chicago and let uh, some people at the cooking demo try it, and they absolutely loved it. Um, and so uh, so I'll have a recipe for that when I'm when I finish my Ethiopian cookbook. Wonderful. You've got a recipe here that sounds delicious. Caramelized cabbage with onions, with apples and golden raisins. And that sounds like a party in your mouth. (laughs) That's very good. And it also teaches you how to caramelize without using oil. Mm, right, right. And I love caramelized anything, like caramelized onion or anything. It always just brings out the sweetness in something, doesn't it? It does, and you don't have to use oil when you're when you're sautéing vegetables, when you're sautéing onions, when you're caramelizing onions or, or cabbage or any of those things. It is completely unnecessary to use oil, and you have a better flavor doing that. Um, I went to an Ethiopian restaurant in Atlanta. I was reviewing it. You know, there are something like 50, 50 Ethiopian restaurants in the Atlanta area, and uh, there was, so I went to visit one that had been recommended to me by an Ethiopian chef. And I, and I had a conversation with the woman who owned the restaurant and her, and her brother who also owned it with her. And I told them uh, why they should be getting oil out of your diet. What happens when you eat oil is it, is it um, well, for one thing, your, your blood vessels have a lining uh, called your endothelium. It's one cell layer thick, and it emits a gas called nitric oxide, which causes your blood vessels to open so that you have greater blood flow. Well, when you eat oil, it uh, prevents that nit- nitric oxide from being released, and so you're not getting proper blood flow, and it takes close to five hours to recover. Wow. And so if you're if you're eating sausage for breakfast and a hamburger for lunch and chicken for dinner yeah. you're never you're never getting proper blood flow to your organs. And so I was talking to them about um, the their Ethiopian restaurant and I was telling them you know you can make all of these dishes without oil and that will give you a leg up on your competition because you are serving something that's truly healthy and it's low and and it, you've reduced the fat in it tremendously and the woman didn't believe that she could cook these dishes without oil i was on my way to pensacola at the time and i told her i'd be back in a couple of weeks and so she asked me to call her when i knew i was coming back and i did and so i visited her restaurant again and she had a huge plate ready for me uh, this Ethiopian food is served on this big platter, and it's it's eaten communally, usually with 
several, you know, three or four people at the table eating off of one big platter. And uh, and she had half of it cooked with oil and half of it not cooked with oil. And she was so excited, I thought she was going to pop. She <laughs> said, I never thought that these would be just as good without oil. I thought I had to use all the oil. And the only difference in flavor was that the one without oil was not greasy. It didn't have a greasy, heavy taste to it. And the ones with oil did. And she was so excited, she could hardly stand it. So... So, um, you know, it's nice to be able to teach somebody from that culture exactly. how they can make food healthier. Because, uh, and that's what I've done in my Ethiopian cookbook is I've significantly reduced the salt and I've gotten rid of the oil. There's just no reason to use it. There is one dish uh, recipe you have in here, which is one of my favorites. Um, I used to have a Malaysian friend that used to make it for me and just to die for is uh, baba ganoush. And, oh yeah! Oh my God, that is just so delicious. And I see how you're making it, and you do. It's roasted eggplant, folks. Yes, at its best. Lots of garlic, uh, cashew cream cheese, um, and you know, oh, absolutely delicious. I'm, I'm certainly going to be making this. That along with a, a pita bread, which of course you have a, a YouTube video on how to make that. That if if you know, if you're looking at a kind of having people over and you know they're meat arians and and they think they're all they're going to get is carrot sticks i mean you know produce this um mm -hmm. and they will go nuts for it absolutely nuts for it because it's totally delicious and uh, you, you know, know how i learned that how uh i was taught to make uh hummus tabbouleh and baba ganoush by saddam hussein's personal chef oh really <laughs> oh wow <laughs> It's true. He is a he's a Christian who escaped Iraq uh, uh, because of religious persecution, and he came to America and he owns a restaurant about an hour from where I live. No. Well, that's <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, because you've got the and that's another thing, you know, the 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 Mediterranean hummus. I mean, it's absolutely delicious, um, you know, and I think people don't realize actually how absolutely yummy these things are. And you know you can you can change it up with a little paprika or turmeric or, or a few other spices if you want to change it up. But you know that's you can a, make hmm? you can make roasted red peppers. Yeah, uh, you yeah. can put eggplant in it. You can put beets in it. You can do all kinds of things to uh, to make it uh, colorful and delicious and and. And it's beans, you know, it's terrific. You can make a, a India has a cake uh, called Dokla, and it's this wonderful little light cake, and you can make it in 15 minutes on your stove top. Uh, and it's beans, it's made, it's almost entirely beans. <laughs> it's just such a healthy food. And do, you know, do you know Mealy Pup? I'm sorry? Mealy Pup. It's um, what the Africans eat in South Africa, and it's. Um, uh, it's um, kind of almost like a, a mixture between a grainy mashed potato and something. And they literally, they cook it to a point where they pick it up with their fingers and they eat it with their meat or whatever else. And it's got so much kind of nutrient in it. It's a stable diet there. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's something you could look into in the African foods. They're mealypap, they call it. How do you spell it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you have to sound <laughs> it out. <laughs> Um, I lived in South Africa for 11 years and of course this is kind of was that stable ingredient that they had because it really kind of stuck to their ribs and you know fortified them and they would always cook it to a point because they always ate with their fingers um, mm -hmm. and, and uh, whether they had the meat or whatever with it, mealy pot was always that stable that was uh, there on the plate and uh, it kind of you know almost looks a little bit like a very thick porridge mashed potato-y porridge -y, grainy type thing but they do it to such a point where as I said did they just pick it and eat it with their you know with their fingers um oh, it sounds stable diet over there so uh, it is uh it's worth trying everything yeah. it's worth you know when I was a little girl I couldn't been more than five or six my father convinced me that eating a raw oyster was the best most delicious delicacy in the world. And when I looked at that, I thought it looked nothing more, it, it looked like a big booger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not going to eat that, but by the time my father was done with me, he made me a fan of raw oysters. Of course, I would never eat one now, but my whole life I loved raw oysters. You have to decide that, you, that you're willing to try things, and you're, you have to decide that you 
you're going to embrace this cuisine because it's good for you. There's lots of good reasons to do it. One is for your health. Uh, that's how I got started. Uh, another reason is for the, you know, once you become awakened to the plight of animals, you no longer want to cause them harm and suffering. And, and it's good for your environment. Uh, we spend half of our water supply on raising meat mm-hmm. for the agri- you know for agri- for animal agriculture, and that's not sustainable. Uh, and so necessary. And it doesn't matter why you decide to become a vegan or to at least try uh, uh, adding more plants to your diet. What you will discover is that all of these things will start overlapping, and you'll find that. You're a vegan because of your health, which is why I started. Now I'm a vegan because of my health and the animals and the environment because I've come to understand how uh, you can't divorce yourself from one or the other. They're, They're all a part of it. Exactly. And, you know, somewhere we have to step up and take ownership of our own, you know, decision making, our own bodies, our own diet, you know, and stop running to the doctor and getting a pill or getting a fix. It doesn't work. Um, You know, just it's change your mindset, change your body, um, you know, put the foods in there that are actually going to fortify and nutrify your own body. It that clears your mind. And it just gives you more productivity in every aspect of your life. I'm going to be having you back in November with Jean Bauer of the Farm Sanctuary and Kate Strong, our uh, triathlon. And uh, we're going to have a round table on this again because each one of you uh, have approached it obviously from a different way and just kind of, you know, uh, reintroduce it again. Um, because, um, no, I'm not a vegan, you know, I'll only admit that. Um, but nor am I a kind of a, a meatarian. Um, you know, I'm. I probably eat more vegetables than I do anything else because that's what I really and utterly do love especially when you get to this fall season and it's um, it's just a question of kind of exploring be willing to open up and be willing to kind of change and it, and just try something else uh, because we just never know how much we can enjoy something until we're willing to try it uh, Kate Strong uh, is on this week as well and she talks about how it helped her as a triathlon um, um, athlete completely change her performance level um so there are so many benefits here um in the diet that it's just a question be open to it right and just give it a try that's right and what athletes are discovering is that they have less muscle injury and quicker muscle recovery on a vegan diet than on any other diet And once they become aware of how much better they feel and how much better performing, they become huge advocates of this, of this lifestyle. And I hate to think of it as a diet at all because a diet is something that people tend to do until they get a health problem under control or they get their weight under control and then they go back to eating the way they did before. This is a lifestyle. This is a life choice that is going to keep you healthy for the rest of your life. Exactly. And well, we've got a recipe right here, the coconut curry with the Indian spices, um, you know, your YouTube on it and also the recipe. And here's just one very simple recipe with ingredients that are very easy to buy at your store and very easy to put together. Just give it a try and, you know, and, and then try another one and then try another one. And all of them are in her book, Time for Change, uh, which you can get at your site. So we have, um, would you give everybody your site so um, where they can buy the book and, and, and learn more about, um, you know, dining out and also how to, how to make that leap and that change. Uh, my site is, uh, this is a food and travel blog, so if you're traveling and you want to find someplace good to eat, we cover a lot. We have quite a few writers who work for us across the country. This is across the United States uh, who, are, who are reviewing restaurants for us. And um, the name of the site is www.veginoutandabout.com, V-E-G-G-I-N, outandabout.com. Uh, my book can also be found on Amazon, and it can be bought directly through the site. It can also be found at daniellebussoni.com, www.daniellebussoni.com. And um, the name of the book is Time for Change, Whole Foods for Whole Health.
exactly and you've got more um countries and uh um and wonderful ethnic uh, recipes coming from other countries which is going to be wonderful I'll look out for that and uh, it just is it's, it's about exploring isn't it it's about exploring uh for whatever reason even if it's just to bring more vegetables back into your body and just explore how delicious they are and you'll see how easy it is to transition um and whether you become a full vegan or not just getting more vegetables in your diet is healthier for you and also healthier for the planet so everybody wins <laughs> well thank you so much daniela for being with us here today and um i look forward to that round table again and maybe some new recipes um we're going to be actually talking a lot at that time about um christmas uh, because of course i think that's when people kind of eat a great deal of meat and opulent over the christmas period and and maybe some different recipes and different points of view and different ideas of what we can do over those that seasonal change uh, to help people kind of introduce um you know a, a different choice into the equation so until then thank you very much thank you sarah it's been a pleasure and folks it's not that hard just go and give it a try embrace the change it's good for you <laughs> 